Welcome back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. We are recording on the second of four opening days for Major League Baseball. It's April the 4th, 2012 in the evening. Of course, this will be available to you on the 5th. I am your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eatmore SK on Camden Chat. And he actually told us uh, we might have to delay the recording of the podcast if Kyle Loesch was continuing to throw a no-hitter. But fortunately, that was broken up, so we didn't. He's Andrew Gibson. Andrew, how's it going? We were on the precipice all night of two great events happening, and neither one of them happened. The whole thing was a big tease. You had Kyle Loesch's no-hitter broken up in the seventh, and then that home run thing. It's got to go off sooner or later. It's like watching a bomb but you don't know what the timer on it is. I have to admit I will be a little sad if we miss the uh, the home run monstrosity going off. Is it, maybe it's a Marlinstrosity. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, <laughs> oh, and, and, Andrew and I have to be on our best behavior tonight. You may have just heard her voice. Uh, she is the Bowser to our Koopa Troopas on CamdenChat.com, the most interesting woman in the world. She is Stacy Long. Stacy, welcome back to CamdenCast. Thanks for having me, guys. We are glad to have you on to talk about some Orioles. And as the three of us well know, uh, as bloggers for the Orioles, when we are acknowledged by the Orioles, which is infrequent enough as it is, it tends to be grudging or desultory. But every now and again, something cool happens. And Stacy got one of those cool things today because she was invited to get a little tour of the Oriole Park at Camden Yards renovations for the season uh, a couple days early. So, Stacy, let us know what you got to see and what that was like. Okay, well, it was pretty cool. We went, um, they invited a number of media, and although I don't really consider myself media, I will, I'll take it, um, to come check out early some of the renovations that they've done at the stadium, as well as sample the wares of the new food items and such. And so, got there. It was valet parking, which made me feel very special. Got there and got in. And the first thing, the first place they ushered us to was the flag court, which, as you guys know, they lowered the wall. And I was not prepared for it. Like, I always hated the flag court. I love the flag court, but I hated going on flag court because all the tall people could just stand there and watch the game. And I always had to get on my tiptoes and just be able to see over it. And so... But they didn't just lower the wall. The wall is pretty much gone. Wow. The, the, so the scoreboard comes up pretty much right to the floor of the flag court. And then there is a railing, like a metal railing, that comes up about, you know, to my waist. So it, it actually looks gorgeous because you can see so much more of the stadium from the flag court. Like you can see the whole entire field and it looks really great. Seems to me like an invitation for a lot of fan interference. Wow. Um, that with that low railing and they can see it on the video. So yeah. You know. So but it it was shocking because it really makes the flag court look entirely different. But it it looks really nice. I think it looks really good. I, and I was happy with that after the initial shock. So thumbs up um, for the flag court. All right. Although it also looks like someone could you know plummet to their death pretty easily but hopefully that won't happen yeah i uh, uh i don't know hopefully they have some procedure in place yeah i mean and because really the railing really only came up to my waist and i'm only five four you know yeah so um and then 
that was nice. And they had set up around their uh, stands with food because, you know, Rick Dempsey has his new sports bar that's opening there. And they had some food that we got to sample there, rockfish tacos and some beer braised uh, short ribs. They were really good. The food was really good. I was very impressed with that. I can't take credit um, for this, but it's apparent they finally let Rick Dempsey be the manager of something, and uh, it's a restaurant. <laughs> Somebody else like, on Camden so, Chat came up with that line. I'm sorry, I forget who you I think were. That but. was KBA. Um, but the you know Rick was there holding court as a, as the chefs served the food, and so that was kind of nice. And That's probably what he's like best suited to. Well, you know, and I don't mean that as a slate at all. No, but, I agree. You know, like, he's like a meet and greet. He's very popular and, and outgoing and warm. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool to see him sort of utilize him the best. So, Stacy, did you sample a Gino's burger? They did, I didn't see Gino's there. I did have from, is it Stuggies? A hot dog with crab mac and cheese on top of it. Is, what is Stuggies? Is that like the rooftop it's bar? Like, or what? It's like a it's like a new restaurant oh. that they're opening there that has hot dogs, I guess. Okay. Apparently it's local, but I've never heard of it. So I'm glad that you haven't either, because it makes me feel better about my status as a Baltimorean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I haven't heard but of that one. Well, anyway, hard. apparently it's like a hot dog stand, and one of the hot dogs that they had had crab mac and cheese on top of it, which. Right up it was a good alley, idea, right? frankly. Yeah. Well, I like cheese and crab and mac. So, yeah. So, how about the uh, rooftop bar? I saw pictures, and it's not even done yet. What the, the heck? rooftop bar, first of all, is really nice. Like, the view from there is really nice. There are two rows. Um, they are, just like, stadium seating, two rows of, like, a bar that you can sit at and look at on the field. And... The view is gorgeous, and you feel, you might think you might be kind of too far away, but it didn't seem that way to me. They had some, I think they were high school kids out there playing on the field while we were there, and, you know, it looked like you could watch a baseball game really well from there, and, but yeah, you're right, the, it doesn't look finished, like, it doesn't look, it looked, there were construction workers there, and there was just, like, lumber laying all over the place and drills, and, I had the opportunity to speak to Monica Barlow, who, you know, is the Orioles PR director. And I said, and I asked her, is it going to get finished in two days? And she, she said, we think so, but her face kind of showed a little bit of panic. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. Burning the midnight oil on that one, I guess. She did say that eventually they're going to have food there, serve food there, but not yet. Because that's definitely not going to be ready on opening day. Just but it really is a it's a really gorgeous location i'm 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 a huge fan of it i wonder what happened to make that behind schedule because it's not even like it snowed a lot this winter who knows yeah who knows i mean who knows so uh and then there's the statue court although the statues haven't been unveiled yet well statue court we didn't get to go down there but we could see them doing construction and stuff it doesn't look that close to being finished either so but at least that's not something that (laughs) You know, it's supposed to be ready on opening day. Yeah. Maybe all the construction workers just couldn't get tickets. And they figured, they'll have to have us here. We'll still be working. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Interesting conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah, indeed. Well, and one of my favorite things was the guy, We when we got there, we all got assigned, like, a rep who was supposed to give us the spiel of, you know, all the new things and blah, blah, blah. And mine was a gentleman named Jurgen who was very nice, but... He said, 
I was talking about, oh, yeah, it's so beautiful up here. And he goes, oh, yeah, probably going to shut uh, put Pickles Pub out of business. Uh-oh. I said, oh, really? Are you going to sell Natty Boat here for $2? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, you, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jurgen is a loyal company man, if not uh... – Yeah. I know that. I don't know if that's like the line he'd been giving to all of his people, but he said that to me, and I was like, "Yeah, buddy, okay." So. So Stacy Long is speaking truth to power, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. (laughs) And the Oriole bird flirted with me, which was kind of the highlight of my day. Oh, like that's never happened before. I know, but it's always nice. Uh, He was holding my hand. (laughs) That's not an experience I have ever had, so uh, hopefully it was cool. It was great. Okay, so. There's your there's your 20th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. It sounds pretty cool, and uh, you can see it, it for yourself really if cool. you're getting to go on Friday or whenever you get to make it uh, there this year. Yeah, the the bar especially is is going to be a, a big draw. I think it's very very cool. So now that we've talked about the best uh, baseball stadium in baseball, let's talk about uh, the bad baseball team that inhabits it, uh, i.e., our favorite team, although it hates us, the Orioles, and. Today, the mystery of who was actually going to make the roster was finally solved as they did the last cuts and mystery man Buck Walter finally announced the rotation. So we're going to get a starting rotation. Jake Arrieta going on opening day, Tommy Hunter, Jason Hamill, and then Brian Mattis and Wei-Yin Chen bringing up the rear. So interesting to me because the two left-handed pitchers are going back to back. Well, do you think that matters? I don't really? know. I don't know if it matters, but people seem to think it matters. So it sinks into my head that maybe it matters. Well, maybe it does matter. I don't know. I don't know if it matters. So as, as far as the Orioles' rotation, let's let's look at it this way: they had the worst starting rotation in baseball last year. Not even one pitcher with a sub-4 ERA. You think we can at least get one? Sub four starter this year. Mm. Mm. I say no. Uh, I mean, maybe if we have like a spot start guy who only gets one or two starts. Yeah, that wouldn't count. Let's say let's say a ten start minimum sub four ERA. Uh, no, I'm going with no. Really? Well, I'm going with no also, but I'm gonna say if we do have one, it would be Brian Mattis because I saw a pitcher who was capable of doing that once. Yeah, and, it's not last. And I don't think no, I know. Oh, I know. But I'm just saying, I I've never seen. I don't think any of the other ones even ever had the capability, in my opinion. But I don't think any. I don't think they will. But well, you got to remember, sub four is. It doesn't sound impressive, but it kind of is. I it's mean, about league average if you're just under four. I think I saw that the league average for starters last year was like 4.06. So Yeah, so you have to be above average. And, you know, even the ones on the staff right now who I think are capable of that, I don't think are capable of it right now. Like, it's something they have to grow into. Yeah, I feel like maybe Arietta is one who could and... Mattis, if he f- turns things around, and I don't know, I'm buying Wei Yin Chen. I don't think he'll do it this year, but he seems like he'll be decent and a good investment. So that's that's my slight homerist. But do I think any of them will do it this year? I don't know. I would like to think at least one of them could uh, cross that threshold, but maybe not. It's definitely not crazy, but 
crazy yeah, would be if I said all five of them are going to do it. Or yeah, something I think like that, that it's doable, and I think, like you said, it's just it's above average. But to be at like three nine nine is not that much above average. It's just barely, and so I don't think it's crazy. But just given what we saw last year, and given the Orioles' history, well, and the division I, that they're in, um, sure, it, it's unforgiving. So even if you know maybe they have the capability of doing it. Once they get to August and the Orioles are out of it and the season's mental draining capabilities are on them, you know, it it snowballs on them. It becomes that much harder. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a better question would be, can the Orioles manage to not have the worst starting rotation in baseball this year? You know, I don't know enough about all the other starting rotations to, to make it's, that decision. It's hard now. for us, for instance, to say definitively that the Orioles will or won't be worse than the Astros when I can only name one player on the Astros. Yeah, right. just Carlos one. Lee. Oh, I was actually going to say Wandy Rodriguez. I forgot about oh. Carlos Lee. Now we have two. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think Carlos Lee is much of a Didn't player. Jed Lowry get traded to Houston? Are we talking about pitchers? He just said on the roster. Jed Lowry? Didn't he? Yes, he is on yeah. the roster. So that's three Houston Astros, I guess. Uh, but what about don't they have Brett Myers? I don't know. They do. Okay, so so we're 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 winning in Is our name all the Houston Astros contest, but uh, we'll we'll get back to uh, and possibly the team that's surely going to be worse than the Orioles this year. So that's why we're excited by them, I guess. As as last year, they were the one thing separating us from being the absolute worst in baseball. So thank you, Astros. We'll see you in the AL next year. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. So. <laughs> We're not we're not feeling especially optimistic about the rotation, and really, why should we? Because well, they're very unproven. Yes, is the best way to put it. The the most positive spin. The thing that drives me crazy is that how many years can you just can have we been saying they're unproven? Like I feel like we just keep waiting. They just keep not proving themselves. Jerks. <laughs> the cavalry did not uh, exactly. Do what we thought they were going to do. Yeah, I think the cavalry was being led by General Custer and uh, got wiped out at Little Bighorn. That's what happened there. So, I don't know. Maybe Andy McPhail is Custer, and uh, who knows where Little Bighorn is. Whatever. Before I torture this metaphor anymore, it's time to move on to talk about the starting lineup, as in the position players. As the Orioles actually had about a league average offense last year, although, as Andrew well knows, their defense was... uh, Terrible. So not like as bad as like league worse, but yeah, it was pretty bad. Especially pretty, with wasn't was it wasn't Mark Reynolds like the worst on UZR in all of baseball? He was he was uh, his, he was saved a little bit by going to first base, but he didn't perform well at first base. He was still below average over there. Of course, Mark Reynolds lost 20 pounds in the offseason to supposedly try and improve his agility. And uh, You know, this is something I've been thinking about, uh, and I'm not meaning to criticize any of the beat reporters for this, but you think about how um, certain narratives get built going into spring training or the season or whatever, and then you just sort of keep following them. And and this spring training, one of the things coming into spring training was Mark Reynolds is taking his defense seriously. He's lost weight, like you said. He's fitter. He's going to do a lot better. He's going to focus on it. And then I only watched 
probably a handful of innings, and that's not enough to really say anything. But he looked pretty much like the same Mark Reynolds. He looked like Mark Reynolds, and the thing that I will always remember about him is when I went to the Fan Fest at his panel, there was this old lady that came up and asked a question. And it wasn't really a question, but she just came up and said, sometimes Mark Reynolds looked like he was inattentive in the field last year. And uh, that that was her question, and it wasn't really a question. And everybody was just like awkward silence. And meanwhile, I'm backstage like trying not to start laughing because honestly, it was kind of funny that somebody just said that. Because of course, Mark Reynolds e, uh, eating the sunflower seeds is yes. like the, uh, <laughs> yes, one of those enduring internet pictures photoshopped everywhere. So Mark Reynolds, uh, you know, maybe he'll hit like 40 home runs, and then we won't care as much if he's not good at third base. That would be good. Well, I will. I mean, that that's kind of the whole story with him is he hits really well. I mean, not like an Adrian Gonzalez or, or somebody like that, but really, really well, and then gives it all back in the field. And, you know, I, I think he'll be a little bit better this year, but not enough to make a difference. Not, not enough to make a serious difference, anyway. So running through kind of some of the rest of the lineup, one player uh, all of us agree on as not expecting much from the starting first baseman seems like it's going to be Chris Davis. And uh, I guess maybe the question we could ask ourselves is at what time will they pull the plug on the Chris Davis experiment rather than will it be a success? I don't, I don't, like I know, I understand the argument for putting him out there. I understand that, but I just don't. I don't, I, I don't see anything redeeming about him. I know he has the good major league number or minor league numbers, and one time he hit 21 home runs in a season. But, like, even the year that he hit 21 home runs in a season, he couldn't even get on base 30% of the time, you know? So, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that he's destined to be, like, one of those kind of, you know, 4A all-stars. And I think it's going to be painful watching it play out with Nick Johnson as long as he's healthy sitting on the bench. Well, so for like 10 minutes. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as if, long as if he's you're, there, might as well if you're going to say like because of Chris Davis's uh, history, combined with the fact that he looks really not super reassuring when you watch him bat this mm-hmm. spring, at least for what that's worth. Um as a reason why he's destined to, to really not be very good. And I'm not arguing that point, but, I mean, we have to look at Nick Johnson's history. And oh, I know. He's and I destined know. to play in maybe 30 games. Before right, I know, and I think, but I just think that, and I, not, and I, because the problem is, the argument, and the one that I understand is, Nick Johnson is not ever going to help the future of this team. And if Chris Davis manages to be something that none of us think he can be, then he could and I understand giving him the chance, but it just seems to me as someone who watches every single game, if Nick Johnson is healthy for 30 games, can we just put him out there? Because I can't deal with Chris Davis. And then, like, it, then it'll be I mean. time for the Joe Mahoney era to begin, I guess, I'm... after <laughs> Nick Johnson. So Chris, da- Chris Davis' crowning year in the major leagues was 2009. He struck out 150 times in 419 plate appearances. And yeah. he had a 284 on base percentage, although he hit 21 home runs. I mean, that's that's who he is. He's very flawed, and that doesn't mean that he has a zero percent chance of becoming a good player. 
Although it's probably pretty close to a zero percent chance of him becoming a great player, like an MVP quality player. But um, you know, it's like Stacy said, Nick Johnson has basically a zero percent chance of being meaningful to the history of the Orioles, and uh, Chris Davis has maybe a five percent chance, but that's way higher than Nick Johnson. Right. It is unfortunate that he. It, it looks like it's going to be difficult to watch. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just as someone who doesn't believe he has a shot, I think like there's that balance between, you know, doing what you can to put the best team out there right now and doing what you can to make sure the team is better in the future. And obviously you always want to choose the future if the present is as sad as the Orioles is. Well, but I just don't, as, you know, we so we have to watch we have to watch the games. <laughs> and uh, he just I just can't stand him. So like how long would you give Chris Davis, really without looking at his results whatsoever? Just say, go out there, play. You have the job every day, except we'll give you a day off every every so often. Without looking at his results, I don't know, six weeks and see? I was going to say two months, yeah. Okay. I, think, I mean, that's not even, and still two months is not even enough. I mean, like, I think. Well, right, exactly. exactly. That's the thing. But that's all I could stand. It, de- it depends on. Well, that's all I could stand for two months before I had to well, be then, like, get out I mean, of here. You if, stink. I, if it's June first and he's OPSing five hundred something, uh, it depends on how. I, it's yeah. probably time to pull the plug. Like, yeah, it depends on. I mean, I think yeah, you said not looking at his results, but if it's just how not bad are his results, if it's like just that not has to be eating optimistic it. hopes, then you know maybe you let him go a little longer. But if it's like stinko, you know. He just looks totally hopeless and lost out there, you know? Which um, which he's, I mean, and not that spring training is predictive of anything, but he's looked hopeless and lost from the games that I saw on TV. Just any left-handed pitcher, no chance at all. Yeah, I saw him uh, go up against Clay Rapata, who's now on the Yankees, and he put the ball in play, and I thought that was kind of a moral victory. He didn't get on base, he grounded out to first base, but... I thought that was pretty good, all things considered. It really was. So, yeah, there are other Orioles, and we did want to say good things about some of them. Yeah, let's talk about Matt Weeders. Matt Weeders. (laughs) What about Matt Weeders? What can't you say about Matt Weeders? It's awesome. As as miserable as Chris Davis makes me, that is how happy Matt Weeders makes me. And that's some serious happiness. Because basically half our pre-recording was uh, uh, Stacy ranting about Chris Davis, really. Hey. Half? It, it felt like at least 95%. Matt, hey. Matt Weeders I couldn't is, get a word in is the best thing about the Orioles, even if the uh, media won't vote him the most valuable Oriole like last year when they said it was Adam Jones, even though it was clearly either Matt Weeders or maybe J.J. Hardy. So how, yeah, how good it, do we think Matt Weeders can be? Is he I finally going to get his uh, stroke at the plate and hit some bombs or what? I think that if he can get – like I think for the second half of the season last year he – he looked quite a bit better. Of course, I thought he looked quite a bit better the second half of the season before that, too. So I'm not really sure how much that matters. But, like, he had his walk rate up to about 10%. And he was, you know, hitting for more power. I mean, I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, hit 30 home runs. But even if he just stays the way he is, he still makes me happy. So. Well, that that's what I was going to say is he doesn't have to 
improve at all, it'll be really good. He's already really, really good. Right. If he gets better than he was last year, we'll just be freaking out. We won't know what to do with ourselves, really, because that. I mean, that's. I mean, that's an MVP candidate. That's if he that's, becomes a, a, a seriously above average hitter. That would probably be the best Orioles season we would have seen since like. What, Brian Roberts or Brian Roberts in 2005 maybe. Brian Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, shut up. Miguel Tejada had some good years in there. That's true. But Matt Weider threw out 37% of runners last year. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and we're learning in the sabermetrics community that not that I represent that community, but whatever. As far as this um, podcast is concerned, you do. Sure. We're we're learning a lot more about the impact catchers have when the ball is not put in play and how that really separates the chaff from the wheat and Matt Weeders ranks very high on the, the rankings of the work that's been done by uh, primarily Mike fast, who now works for the Astros working on uh, pitch framing and things like that. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's sort of like the, the cutting edge there is revealing how much better Matt Weeders is than even we thought he was. When you just look at his, his caught stealing percentages. Matt Weeders is even better than even advanced statistics make him look. So yeah. that's uh, not many baseball that's players huge. you can say that about, I would think. So we're all happy about Matt Weeders. Is there anybody else we could possibly be happy about as well, position players? There's lots of players. We I would like to be, be happy about Nolan Reimold. Yeah. Although Stacy and I were very sad because the Nolan Reimold movie was uh, the plug had to be pulled on it because uh, it turns out he's married his baby mama. So that really ruined our movie, which was supposed to be Nolan Reimold uh, romancing a <laughs> romancing just a good old Baltimore girl who didn't even know he was on the Orioles. I'm so sad that our movie is ruined. Because she just had a fat head of Joe Flacco in her apartment, and she didn't she didn't even know who was on the Orioles. She thought Nolan was like a businessman, and that's why he went out of town a lot. That's <laughs> oh, the best script ever. It, it really was, and now it's gone. So rest in peace, yes, Nolan Reimold movie. But we still love Nolan Reimold, and uh, we hope we hope he actually plays, and not like Andy Chavez getting half the starts. Yeah. Well, that's not gonna happen. Not, not that yeah. I have any. I mean, if we're talking Andy about Chavez. like Chris Davis getting benched for not hitting. Andy yeah. Chavez. I mean, Andy Chavez was signed to be a fourth outfielder. Right. 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 So Nolan. This is Nolan's year. Nolan, let's. Yeah, this is Nolan's year. We hope it's Nolan's year. I, well, last year was supposed to be Nolan's year, and then they signed Vlad. And then they kept playing Felix. Oh right. Oh, oh I'm Felix sorry. Felix got released by the Indians today. I know that's a sensitive Good. subject. Yeah. Moving around the outfield, Adam Jones, maybe, what, this year he might uh, figure out actually, how to not uh, a curveball in the dirt? I'm, I'm not, like, basing this on anything, so it, it's really not based on anything. But I think he's going to see a, a spike this year. It might just be, like, a random fluky thing, but I think he's going to have a really good offensive year. Defensively, I'm not, I'm not so sure about, but... Hey, that's know. that's gold glove winner Adam Jones there, Andrew. So don't yeah. Don't, well, don't how many fielding bibles does he have? Huh? I don't know. How many? Zero. The answer is zero. Does anybody else on the Orioles have one? Matt Weeders has one. Okay. Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis has a gold glove. What am I talking about? Well, we're talking about gold gloves and fielding bibles. Oh, I I was talking about. Speaking of fielding bottles, <laughs> we have one to give away. That's Andrew's. Uh, That's a really strange and sudden Andrew's transition. Kind of, well, yeah, 
you know, we have to do it sometime. So that's true. So our and little you it up. our little uh, low rent contest was to name any non baseball Hall of Fame Oriole that's your favorite Oriole, or even just an Oriole you like, and completely randomly we assigned numbers to everybody's posts and generated a random number. And our winner was poster Sean P. Sean P. Why did I say Sean P? I'm Seen sorry, Sean. P. I'm sorry, Sean P. Who picked Brady Anderson? Who's a good, good favorite Oriole to have for sure. One of my favorites. So yes, mine too. Sean P. Andrew will be contacting you so he can ship you your Fielding Bible, Volume Three, is it? It is. Volume Three of the Fielding Bible, and uh, congratulations. Our silly contest has concluded. That was fun. I feel good about it. We'll have to have another contest sometime. Think about something we can give away. That'll be fun. I love contests. Yeah, I love contests, too. So we're going to very briefly pass over the subject of the bullpen, probably because we don't really like thinking about the bullpen. Uh, every year, well, every uh, year the media... Do we have anything to say? Every really? year the media likes to say, oh, maybe the bullpen will be a strength for the Orioles this year, and... They just say that because they know it's not going to be the lineup or the, or the starting location. <laughs> they got to pick something. Yeah. And, you know, bullpens sometimes are fluky good. So they're like, well, maybe we'll do, maybe it'll work this year. Well, I also think it's, um, you know, you set it up in spring training and you're like, yeah, this is this is great. We have our situational guys, our long guy, and then our pitchers just have to get to the sixth. And then you got your seventh, your eighth, and your ninth guy. And then, you know, you get to August and you've used – a dozen and a half guys and you're digging down for whoever's sitting around at double a who can pitch that night and fill in the bullpen and you're like where did it all go wrong starters having like 100 mm-hmm. pitches after five innings is probably where it all went wrong but you know so, whatever so the guys in the bullpen are well they don't really know they haven't really named the closer we're all hoping it's jim johnson because if it's kevin Gregg, uh we might freak out but Kevin Gregg is also in the bullpen. The Orioles have not successfully unloaded him on an unsuspecting team. I will actually say, Mark, not just to be contrarian, I think Kevin Gregg should be the closer. Uh, Andrew. You wanna build, are, you trying to, are you trying to build up some value, or you just think because normally a three-run lead he can hold? It's more the latter. I, I He's not going to have any value. Come on. I mean, if the Reds are like, well, we lost our closer, let's get Alfredo Simone instead of Kevin Gregg. I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, no, it's more it's more the closer's job is usually easier. And at, at work, at, at, at Baseball Info Solutions, we track uh, save situations as easy, normal, or, or hard. And he didn't even have any hard ones last year. And he still made us hate him. Andrew, yes. yeah, Andrew has but finally acquired a taste the for Kevin Gregg's uh, no, pitching, it's, it seems. It's, it's only about if you don't make him the closer, he's going to pitch in some other high leverage situation. Mop up. Where he's not going to be the mop up guy. Let me tell you, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to mop stuff up on this team. I mean, team. He'll, he'll be like a clubhouse cancer. You make him a mop up guy. Just based on how, like how he generally acts. Based on his face. Um, you know, I'd rather have Jim Johnson pitching the seventh inning where the bases are loaded than the ninth inning when he comes in and there's nobody on base and there's a two-run lead. Like, let yeah. Kevin Gray get those games. It's fine. Well, um, Buck Showalter does like the win rule better than the save rule, I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lie. He loves the save rule. 
<laughs> Wasn't it like the first night that commercial aired, he screwed up yeah. using the bullpen? That may not have actually happened, but that's what I remember having happened. That sounds right. With with the Orioles, you know, the worst case scenario comes true a lot. So that's the bullpen, which Clay Rapata they couldn't have in there, but he's on the Yankees, so that's uh So who's who's gonna be the first person to get uh demoted or released when Tsuyoshi Wada gets taken off the disabled list in like ten days? Um that's a really good question. Whoever pitches worse out of Jake Arietta and Brian Mattis. They're gonna and demote Jake gonna Arietta Jake. for Tsuyoshi Wada? It's not gonna be Jake Arietta. See so, they're gonna demote Brian Mattis. I think they will. I think, I think what Brian might happen is well, somebody in the bullpen like Luis Ayala might have like two really bad games and then he'll become the Josh Roop of uh, 2012. Well, you know, Darren O'Day has an option. Oh, could be Darren O'Day too then. Except for yeah, not, but, I not mean, going in the rotation, which is what Andrew thinks he should right. do. Right. Wada's going to go in the rotation. So you're not going to use six six guys, so you're going to either move one of your rotation guys to the bullpen, and none of them are really suited for that. Tommy Hunter. Yeah, but the thing, like Tommy Hunter, the best thing you get about Tommy Hunter is he can give you a lot of innings. Put him in the bullpen, you lose that. Now he's just a, a kind of below average pitcher. Well, I think they should demote or release a reliever and just have Wada in the bullpen. And then maybe Wada can be the long man, and that's how they can uh, stretch him out in case there's a starter injury slash ineffectiveness issue. Yeah, it's hard to say without, you know, playing through the games up until he comes back. Because but... Troy Patton, who apparently maybe will exist this year, or maybe the actor who plays Troy Patton has just learned how to pitch from all the uh, times he's appeared. And he's he's both the long man and the only lefty in the bullpen. Well, the other thing, um, these, these things have a tendency to work themselves out, where Wada will either have a setback or... Um, by the time he's ready to go, somebody else will get hurt or just not be pitching well enough. Uh, I think who is the second series of the year? Is it against the New York Yankees? So like Matt is and Chen are being thrown right at the Yankees right on right way. So like they already have the possibility of having really bad looking numbers in the, in the early goings. And, and every one of these pitchers had a bad last spring start. I'm pretty sure. Just uh, just to make sure, if you were paying attention to their spring stats, they all got uh, socked a bit so, yeah. to close out the spring. You know, I think it will be not that difficult a decision. And if it is, then that's fine. That's good. It means we'll have had a good first two weeks or so. Yeah, you know, I'll take it. For, I'll take a good two weeks. Uh, that would be better than we got two years ago anyway. So in in order to maximize uh, embarrassment potential, we all decided we would give some predictions on the season, and we're going to give you our predictions on who's going to make the playoffs, win the divisions, who's going to be in the World Series, who's going to win the World Series, and then predict the Orioles' record. So uh, then we can drop it down the memory hole when we all, between the three of us, fail to get like anything right. <laughs> no, we should definitely write this down and revisit it. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I will save it in for, my file here for what everybody so. says. So, I guess I will go first then. So, I'm predicting for the American League, the Eastern Division champion will be the Tampa Bay Rays. The Central will be the Detroit Tigers. The West will be the Texas Rangers, and then wild card teams will be the New York Yankees and the 
Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim, Orange County, California, United States of America. Earth. Earth, yes. The Milky Way. Universe. And then in the National League, for the East, the Philadelphia Phillies. For the Central, the Milwaukee Brewers. The West, the San Francisco Giants and wildcard teams of the newly rechristened Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals. So there's my playoffs. Andrew, am I completely crazy? Why don't you tell me what you think? I agree with you four times. Uh-oh. Although it's interesting because uh, last week you did not say the Yeah, you know what? Because last week I got put on the spot for that and I had put no thought into it at all. And today I put about uh, five minutes of thought into it. So my answers, my answers changed a little bit. Um, and really, a lot of these you could kind of flip a coin and, and be just as well off. Um, I have the Rays winning the AL East and the Tigers winning the AL Central. So there we agree. I like the Rays' defense, and I just don't really like any of the other, any of the other AL Central teams. Yeah, I was buying the Rays because I think their rotation is just going to be... And Right, and I, I, I really like the... Uh, sort of modest upgrades they've made to their lineup. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be really good. Although I won't enjoy Luke Scott hitting Utah Street home runs in a different uniform. Yeah, that's going to happen a lot, by yep. the way. Since <laughs> um, <laughs> so they lowered that wall. Yeah. and, and Now, now he can hit line drives on a Utah Street. Now he's going after the, the Orioles pitching staff. It's dangerous. I have the Angels winning the AL West. They were actually really good last year, sort of uh, underappreciated. And then they added two really good players, which is probably going to pump them up like 10 wins, 11 wins. Um, so they're really good. They have a really bad outfield, but they're, they're really good. Um, for the wild card, I have the Rangers and the Boston Red Sox, who I think are wildly under, underappreciated because of their collapse last year. So you're leaving the Yankees out of the playoffs entirely from your lips, yeah, that feels weird. From your lips to the uh, God's ears. That feels weird, and I'm almost certainly wrong about that, but what can you do? Okay, how about the National League? I have the Atlanta Braves winning the NL East, the Milwaukee Brewers and the San Francisco Giants taking the other two spots. The The Brewers actually replaced Prince Fielder with Matt Gamble, who's Pretty exciting. Uh, it's one of the things I'm hoping to watch closely this year, how that works out for them. And I, I read today that the Giants actually did go with Brandon Belt as their starting first baseman. And well, I, heard I, I follow not, some people on Twitter that will be very excited. That were very excited. Yeah, that, that was that was in jeopardy. Um, so one of our SB Nation colleagues, Wendy Thurm, was I think she might have uh, gone insane if. They had not had Brandon Belt on the roster. For the wild card, I have the Philadelphia Phillies, who were the best team in baseball last year by record. Although this year, they sort of look old and a little bit like a mess, but they're still going to be really good. And the Cincinnati Reds, who just signed Joey Votto to what has to be the worst extension ever. I had the hardest time picking the Central because... The two teams that made the playoffs from there last year just lost their best player uh, each, and who knows if the Reds will step up. But my my default policy, because it's like nobody on the internet likes Dusty Baker, is that I'm not going to trust a Dusty Baker-managed team. <laughs> well, I had the Cardinals, and then the Reds signed Alfredo Simone, 
and that that put them over the edge. Weak sauce was all they needed to uh, to spice up their chances, I guess. All right, Stacy, you're on the spot. All Take right. Take a crack at them. All right, AL for the divisions: AL East Yankees, Ooh. Central Tigers, West Rangers, Wild Cards: Red Sox and Angels. No surprises there. Those are pretty much the best teams in the American League, I think, besides the Rays. But someone has to miss out. That's true. Uh, National League, Phillies, Reds, and Rockies for the divisions. I got I to gotta vote for the Jeremy Guthrie, Jamie Moyer one-two punch. <laughs> That's a very potent one-two. <laughs> I know, but they have to be the most lovable one-two that I can think of. So that's why I'm picking them. And then for my wild card, I'm going to go Brewers and Nationals. Brewers and Nationals? Oh, Interesting. I think the Nationals can't hit. But their top three pitchers have the potential to be quite good. I'm, it will be. Uh, I'm not going to uh, be able to handle it if the Nationals make the playoffs. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'd... I actually, um, a friend of mine from school who was totally not into sports came up to me just randomly, like he texted me, and said he wanted to to get into baseball this year just to see what it was like, and he wanted a team, and. I gave him some options, and we eventually settled on him being a Nationals fan. So I'm actually interested to see how this works out. And it'd be really cool if the Nationals got really good. No, no, it wouldn't be very cool at all, Andrew. <laughs> it would For me be over- and my friend, it would. I think that a world where the Orioles and the Nationals are good would be really cool. I could tolerate just that like, world. Just like a world where the Redskins and the Ravens were both really good would be cool. Like, I think that that would be... A nice dynamic, but I mean, I think the Nationals are. I mean, if they're, I think they have a chance of being good this year. I think they have a better chance of being good next year. So I wanted to go out on a limb. They they have a lot of potential difference makers coming up or, or on that team: Strasburg, Zimmerman, Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. So we have Jason we have a lot of agreement among the three of us there. Basically, we all picked four of the five same AL playoff teams. There, there is one thing: the Tigers. I, I picked them, and it's because there's just nobody else. Yeah, how division. can you go against the team with Verlander and Prince Fielder and McGraw? Well, see, that, that's the thing. Like, everybody's saying, well, they got Prince Fielder. They were really good last year, but they lost Victor Martinez. Yeah. So, like, you're trading Victor Martinez for Prince Fielder. So that's a little bit of a net bump, but not a lot. And then you're also putting Miguel Cabrera at third base, which is really going to hurt you. On the other um, hand, who else is in the AL Central that's going to step up there? Well, we, right, that's that's kind of it. It'd be really cool to see like the Royals or the Indians put it together, but yeah, I, I don't see the that. time is coming for the Royals, but I don't think it's 2012. Okay, no. so out of out of your playoff team, Stacy, who do you think's in the World Series? Who do you think wins? I think I'm gonna go Angels versus. Hmm. This is a highly scientific. Process. Yes, I'm staring at my notepad, thinking, "What? I don't know." I wish I had Angels the versus music to the um, Brewers. Angels Brewers. Angels. I would like Zach Grinke to go to the World Series. Who's gonna win in the hypothetical matchup? Angels. Angels. All right, Andrew. That'd be a really cool matchup, actually. I like the way those teams match up. I have. The, the Rays and the Brewers meeting in the World Series. Who's the winner? With, with the Rays being being the winner. 
All right. And uh, yeah, that's that's a coin flip, basically. But there you go. I decided, based on really no feeling other than maybe it's the year for teams that spend a lot of money on free agents to make the World Series, that the World Series matchup would be the Angels versus the Marlins, with the Miami Marlins winning, perhaps on a walk-off home run that strikes the uh, Marlinsrosity <laughs> structure as the universe ends a few months early than a few months earlier than the Mayan prophecy uh, foretold centuries ago, millennia ago. Not really, but I do think that would be awesome. the Marlins will win because it just feels like they improved their team a lot, and they already had a lot of great young players. And uh, if they get into the playoffs, I think they could do some. Very interesting things. So there we go. That's our that's our predictions. Or they could be no hit by Kyle Loesch. Or they could be no hit by Kyle Loesch in the playoffs as, like, <laughs> David Freeze hits nine home runs in three games. All off of the, the Marlinstrosity. All off the Marlinstrosity, which won't last. I love the Marlinstrosity. I might go to Miami just to see it. Yeah, I want to go just to see it. <laughs> It's true. You'll have to pick a game where they're most likely to have something hit. That's the thing. What if I went to like a three-game series in Miami and no home runs got hit by the Marlins? That would be a disappointment. I'll have to go when they play the Astros. Okay. So <laughs> so we're all going to lay out one last prediction. Orioles record. I'll throw mine out first. I think I'm actually staying consistent from the last time I said this. Uh, I think the Orioles will go 70 and 92. And I feel like I'm being optimistic by saying that, but... That's what I'm, uh, I, I'm not sure you're going to get a whole lot of argument. I mean, that, that sounds about right. I know it's not the Dan O'Hare podcast. Otherwise, you'd have something someone to discuss something with yeah. about wins. Dan O'Hare <laughs> is a guy on Camden Chat uh, who thinks the Orioles could win 90 games. Well, they could. He says he says they will, but I don't know that he really believes it. It's just what he says. No, I, I don't. I think it's it's rampant optimism, which is good. No, Very yeah. good. There's nothing wrong with wanting to believe. Uh, it's just you're probably going to be disappointed. We're sorry, Dan O'Hare, to be the ones to tell you, as we've been for a month. But, hey, maybe it would be pretty cool if he was right. So, Andrew Oriole's record. I have 71 wins. 71 and 90. That extra one win I thought long and hard about over over what you picked. But I think they're going to pull it out, get that extra win. 71 would be two wins better than last year, so that would leave them on the pace to get into the playoffs, what, sometime in 2022? Well, yeah, two but wins a, a couple year. of years ago, they were at like 76 wins, so that would put them on the pace to win zero games by however much. Uh, I mean. Stacy, Orioles record. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say 75. Oh, now that's bold. That's 75 and 87. I'm speechless. That's how bold that is. It was very bold, right? I'm very impressed with myself. Last year, 75 wins is what I predicted, and they couldn't even reach that. And well, okay. L- let me ask you this: Where where do you see those extra wins? Like, where have they improved enough that you think they're going to get better over what they were last year? And last year, their Pythagorean record which is based on uh, runs scored versus runs allowed, was actually 67 wins. Well, so. I th- I think that Brian Mattis can't be as bad as he was last year, and I think that maybe they'll get lucky. Luck is a big part of it. The Orioles need some good luck, and they're overdue to get some good luck. So maybe if you believe in karma, 
you believe the Orioles have earned. Some- I mean, I don't. I don't think. I think if you believe in karma, the Orioles are hosed. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, I mean, I do think that you know there are things out of their control that always seem to go against the Orioles, and maybe this year they'll get a little lucky. You know, though, who knows? I don't think because I think that any win pick that you pick, you can conceivably be five. 10 higher or lower than that based on the way the chips fall. <laughs> and so why not? I mean, 75 is still terrible and will still make me sad. But you're the most optimistic of the three of us there, so. Oh, well, you know, it's two days from opening day. That's right. Opening day optimism is starting to seize all of us uh, in different ways. And that's, you know, this this slate will be blank and uh, anything is possible. Even good things, although... Sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but it would be incredible if they they came out and were just a really good team. Yeah, I mean, what if what if like Jake Arrieta comes out and throws a complete game shutout and starts the Orioles off with that, and then you know. Yeah, what if he won thirty games? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Andrew, I sense you're mocking me a little bit there, but I'm not going to take offense. It's a- you have been very, very much on the Jake Arrieta bandwagon, and I have been very much not on the Jake Arrieta bang- bandwagon. Um, you know what? So you have it, something to believe in. It will be... I believe in lots of things. Even in, Just and none even of them in the cold black confines of my Orioles heart, there's some things that can warm it up, and... Maybe it'll be Jake Arrieta. I don't know. Well, okay. Let me ask you this, this too. Um, if, if you had to pick one Oriole to be sort of surprisingly good, I guess, uh, based on uh, just the general sense, like Mark would probably pick Jake Arrieta. He thinks is, is going to break out, I guess, is what I'm looking for. That would surprise other people? Yeah, I guess I would pick Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Stacy, who, who would you who, – who's your pick to click? On the Orioles for 2012. See, I want to say Nolan Rymel, but I feel like we all love him, kind of. But other people that don't love him think that he's nothing. And so I'm going to pick him. All right. Well, that's, that's I think you give, you give him a full season. I think, I mean, he's not going to be a star, but I think you give him a full season. He could, you know, probably maybe lead the team in on base percentage. He, he probably could, actually, if, uh, if things go well for him. So, Andrew, do you have a pick to click, or do you think? Well, uh, I'm actually going to go out on a little bit of a wedge for me uh, and and say Tommy Hunter. I think it's going to surprise more me. Like, I just feel like I've been sort of unnecessarily harsh on on his performance. And he certainly has uh, value to to baseball teams, and I think he'll he'll surprise me personally and, and not be completely horrible. So maybe he'll be the guy who's flirting with a sub-4 ERA. Maybe he'll come in with like a 4.09, which would, you know. I I will admit that um, the last spring training game that I did watch was the one where he threw like seven innings and really looked pretty impressive. Well, so there we go. So there you go. Optimism, spring training, it all gets to me even when I know it's dumb and it shouldn't. We've laid it all out on the line. Maybe between the three of us we'll get a... I don't know, one-third of these things correct. That would be impressive to me. But that's all the time we have for this evening, April the 4th, 2012. So we're coming up on opening day. We're all very excited. Stacy, thanks for joining us, and we will have you again sometime throughout the season. 
All right, sounds so good. It was it's fun. We can we can talk some Orioles and maybe it won't be completely depressing. Oh, it won't be completely depressing. There'll be there'll be lots of good times. Good times ahead. Good good times, yeah. Good times ahead. Hey, sure. So I'm not gonna sit here and start contorting myself in the O R I O L E S though. That would be a little, a little bit too much. Plus you couldn't see it, which would make it pointless. But hey. <laughs> so so for our site, web mistress Stacy Long and. My friend Andrew Gibson, I am Mark Brown. We are bringing you Camden Cast, and we are out.